Today, it is my special pleasure to welcome to the program the extraordinary concert violinist from Hungary, Bernadette Nyari. We will talk in a moment after a sample of her music. So we welcome to the program Bernadette Nyari, and thank you for thank you for appearing on the show. Thank you so much. I am. I, 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 it's my pleasure that I can be here, and thank you. Thank you very much. Bernadette, uh, you have been performing in the United States, as I understand it, for only a short time. Is that correct? Yes, yes, is that correct? I always used to travel to the U.S. in the last, uh, I don't know, ten years, I would say, and I had few concerts here or there. But uh, I moved to the United States in 2020 February. Okay, um, and I noticed that you've been performing in different venues. I think you're based in Miami. Is that is that correct? I am based. Yes, I am based in Miami, in Fort Lauderdale, actually. And uh, and yes, of course, you know, when I moved to Miami last year, February, COVID just hit. So, of mm. course, the first six months, basically, there was nothing for uh, for us, for entertainers, for musicians. And then I started to play in some parties uh, in October, but more like private parties kind of things, you know. And, uh, and then actually now the venues are starting to reopen. So one of my first concerts actually in an actual theater here in Florida is going to be now in October, you know. So I am very excited for that. And will you continue also to be uh, performing on cruises? Yes, but I only perform on the cruises as a guest artist, as a mm -hmm. fly-on artist which means actually that I come on for a few days, sometimes for a cruise, let's say, and I have one show or maximum two different shows, and then I leave. So mm -hmm. this is the best, uh, you know, we are in guest status like that. And let's say we don't stay as the other musicians stays six months contract, you know. We stay for a few days, one cruise, and let's say we are the celebrity of the cruise, okay. Mm -hmm. So... And I love to do that. And also, most of the cruises now, they are out from Fort Lauderdale. So it's pretty easy for me. I don't even have to travel, you know. <laughs> That is true. Um, well, full disclosure, I, I attended one of your concerts on a, on a cruise line. And uh, Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. And I thought that you sort of touched on 
how you became a violinist. So could you tell us? Of course. I think that story is uh, pretty inspirational. And uh, many people told me that, you know, in the last few years. And I am that's why I'm very happy to share it, because it's true story, you know. So, so I come from a musician family. Everybody is musician. And when I was six years old, they asked me which instrument I would like to play, you know, my parents. So there was no question if I want to play an instrument or not. The question was <laughs> which one. So, so I chose the oh, okay. violin. I don't know, for some reason, I like the violin very much. And, uh, and I chose the violin. But of course, when I realized that you have to practice to be able to play on the violin or to be able to become a musician, well, I, uh, I just never wanted to play on the violin again. Let's put it this way, because I just didn't want to practice like never. So, mm -hmm. so I have a brother who is uh, a pianist. He's 10 years older than me. He lives in Hungary still, and he is the um, pianist of the Hungarian State National Opera House. So this time already when I was, let's say, six, seven years old, he was 16, 17. So he used to practice every day, six to eight hours, mm -hmm. while I practiced 10 minutes twice a week. <laughs> And why is that? Because I, uh, I used to have violin lessons twice a week. So I practiced only 10 minutes before the lesson. So, so actually, that's, that's the story, you know. And, and I just never, never wanted to become a violinist. And in a way, my parents, they forced me to continue, you know. And, um, and yes, you know, we played, you know, I, I was, let's say, I even said to my teacher that, okay, I will play only as a hobby, but I will never become a violinist. And I wanted to become a doctor, actress, everything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So I was 13 years old already, and my elementary school had a choir. And, uh, and the choir went uh, to a concert tour around Italy mm -hmm. for two weeks. And the conductor of the choir asked me to go with them, join them, and uh, play something on the violin in some of the concerts. There were three, four hundred people in the audience, only Italian people. So I played a classical song, and at the end of the song, all Italian people stood up. And, you know, in this very nice, loud, passionate Italian style, they started to scream in Italian that brava, wow. brava, bravissima. Right. So, again, I was 13 years old. So I was on stage and looking around how people are screaming. <laughs> and I said to myself, I said, I think I will be a violinist. <laughs> so, so I went home and I and I said it to my parents, to my mother and to my teacher that, okay, I changed my mind after eight years and I want to become a violinist. And they, they actually told me that you are crazy. It's impossible because right. I didn't practice for eight years and I was 13 years old already. So if I wanted to become a professional musician, I supposed to do audition to the music conservatory when I was 14, when I became 14. So I had eight months until the audition. So they told me, listen, you cannot do in 
eight, eight months, but you're supposed to do in eight years. Mm-hmm. And of course, I saw all the other violinists in my class, you know, who were great and they were doing the audition, but they used to practice since they were six years old, you know, and they were incredible. So mm-hmm. also I saw my teacher that she was a little bit, um, you know, she was doubting that uh, this is going to be possible. Mm-hmm. But I was very, uh, I don't know if this is the right word in English. I was very hard-headed you know already that time and uh, and I told her that I said listen just give me the song give me the list of the songs for the audition that if I play those songs good the audition will go will go good and they will take me just tell me which songs are those Mm -hmm. and then she gave me you know the program and I started to practice every day three to four hours and the audition went well, so I became a violinist. Right, Basically, that right. was the first. Uh, it was the first step because from there, there was there was uh, uh, automatic that I am going to become a violinist. That was there, there was no question anymore, you know. Well, you have a long tradition in your family of violinists, correct? Your, your I grandfather do. Was, also, a, was a very famous about violinists. Yes. Yes, yes. So not only him, my whole family is musical, you know, and from right. both sides, actually, my mother's side and my and my father's side as well. And uh, but in my mother's side, it's incredible. The family the, and the family history is incredible. I still don't even believe it. Like, wow, I feel I'm so lucky, you know. So my grandfather, he used to have, uh, if I am not mistaken, five brothers or they were five or six brothers i have to count and all of them they were musicians different instruments so his family name was shuha so even nowadays they are calling them like the shuha brothers they were famous in hungary the shuha brothers because uh, he was the oldest and he was a violin player and then he had uh, one cello player brother he had a big bass player brothers and he had two more violinist brother so they were five yes and uh, and they used to play you know many times together like an orchestra and they were incredible good but most of them they uh, they played like hungarian folk music but my grandfather the oldest one he was a classical violinist he was able to play everything of course even folk everything but mm-hmm. He was a classical violinist and a composer. And actually, there was a very famous composer back in the day in Hungary. His name was uh, Hubai Jenő. He's a classical uh, composer. Mm -hmm. And actually, he was the teacher of my grandfather in the music university. So in the... There is, there is like a Hungarian encyclopedia where you can read about my grandfather. And they say that he was one of the most talented students of this big composer of Hubei. So this is incredible. <laughs> so my grandfather, my grandfather was a, a composer. Uh, he wrote so many songs and, uh, and a violinist. And, uh, and if you allow me to tell you a very sad story about him. I would like to share it with everyone. So, thank you. So, unfortunately, I don't know him. I never met him because he passed uh, away in 1974. Mm -hmm. So, 
he used to have contracts to perform around the world, you know, everywhere, Switzerland, Japan, everywhere. So one time, you know, that time was communism in Hungary. So that time he went to pick up his passport in the office and uh, he mentioned something, you know, that he mentioned something about God and uh, that God is up there. And uh, they took his passport away immediately. They canceled all his uh, concerts, tours around the world immediately. Wow. And, uh, and the top line is that they deleted all his recordings from the radio, from the Hungarian radio, forever. Mm. So basically, we have nothing mm. about him. We have uh, we have one little uh, like a radio cassette. I don't know if you remember, you wow, know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We have a little radio cassette, you know, of him, which was recorded, probably, I don't know, in the seventies, beginning mm -hmm. of seventy, right before he passed, and he didn't know that the band was recording him because he never liked oh. that, you know. So they right. put the, we have, a, we have an instrument in Hungary, traditional instrument, cymbal, cymbalum, mm -hmm. and it was under the instrument. So, so it's so loud, you know, that you barely mm -hmm. can hear the right. violin. Right. But that's the only right. one we have. And when I listen to that, even if I cannot hear good the violin, we can hear that, oh my God, like he was not just a violinist, he was like in really... Let's put it this way. Compared to him, I don't know how to play the violin. Mm. So imagine that, you know. And uh, uh, that's, that's almost yeah. impossible to imagine. <laughs> Thank now, you. Did, did, yes, and did he uh, did he not record, but but for the government uh, in previous decades, and then they had control of those records, or he never yeah, recorded at all. No, he no, he recorded a lot, like in uh, in like he did a lot of albums and everything. But because of his saying in the office that there is God, right, they right. cancelled all his recordings from the radio forever. So okay. basically, they destroyed him, sure. and uh, and his biggest dream was to come to the United States and perform, and his biggest dream was to go to Las Vegas. Oh. And uh, and uh, and he never made it. And uh, and since I was a little kid, and since I especially decided that I really would like to become a violinist, and I learned all these stories about him from my grandmother, from my uncle, from my mother, I decided that I have to, and I love to, continue his life and his legacy because there are so many things which he wanted to do and he deserved to do like uh, he he's supposed to make those things happen you know to play mm -hmm. his songs around the US to Americans mm -hmm. because his songs all the songs he wrote they are incredibly good and unfortunately i know maybe 20 of them because because we don't have even the recording, even the, right. the music, we don't right. have anything. I know 20 of them, so I'm planning to make an album about that, you know, all his oh, songs okay. I know. And because because I want American people to sing those songs. 
I want all Americans to sing the melody because they are beautiful songs, all of them. And uh, and that was his dream. And he never made it, you know. And uh, this is the reason why I always wanted to move to the U.S. to make this happen. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's fascinating because one of the questions I was going to ask you is, it, it seems like when you were very young, there was a bit of the rebel in you. In other words... And this is not uncommon for children not to want to follow in the same path as their parents in terms of occupations. And I don't know if that's true or not, but if that is true, then you've come full circle because now you are building a life around the history and tradition of your family and trying to honor your grandfather with your programs and and your very presence in the u.s would that be fair to say yes it's perfectly yes it's true yes and you know the sad thing is that uh, i i have an uncle my mother's brother who was a violinist and he was the only one person who actually you know he learned a lot from his father from my grandfather right so he was the one always who used to tell me all these stories. And every time when I wanted to play a new song of my grandfather, even on the ship or even on my concert, I just called him and I told him, hey, do you remember another song of your father? He says, yeah, of course, what type? I said, I don't know, any, any, type, any type you like. He said, okay. So he just wrote it down for me with the chords, with the melody, everything. And they sent it to me by email. And uh, so... He's my grandfather's brother, one of his brother. He was a cello player. And because I didn't know my own grandfather in person, this guy was the one who I looked as a grandfather when I was a kid. He was a beautiful person. You know, when you look at someone and uh, and you see in their eyes especially he was an old man already you know right, he was already right. i don't know 85 or something and beautiful oh. old man beautiful and you know when you look in look in someone's eyes and you see the the good things the positive things the yes. the good heart you know so so he has some grandchildren only boys and uh, one of them is pianist the other one is a bass player and uh, and with the pianist, we decided three, four years ago that we would like to record together all my grandfather's songs until my uncle is alive. Because he knows exactly how those songs were, you know, written. And mm-hmm. how great it would be that the grandchildren together are recording, you know, as a, as a whole band. Right. And this was our plan. And I was traveling so much in the last few years, you know, right before COVID, you know, I was super busy having concerts everywhere in the world, two, three times per week. And my and also my cousin was traveling all the time, the pianist. And um, and I and my and my uncle was still a young gentleman, you know, so I thought it's okay, you know, we have time, you know. And unfortunately, last year in the summer he passed away suddenly. And uh, and this is so sad because he was the one who knew the songs exactly. I know them. I know most of them, yes. But he was the one 
who could tell me exactly how my grandfather wanted these songs to be played. And we just couldn't make this album with him, so this is sad. now you are the one. Yes. Who must uh, pick up the baton. Yes. Now, the way I would put it, you specialize in not specializing in your musical programming. Uh, What led you to that decision? Instead of, say, uh, becoming a classical music artist only. Of course, I studied classical music until university, also in university, because I, I always say that, that that's the base uh, of everything, because you learn a technique there which you cannot really learn anywhere else, you know. It's very important, the classical backgrounds. And I love classical music. Yeah, it's uh, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, and of course, right now, if you would ask me if I am a classical musician, I would say I am not. However, I I miss it so much. Sometimes, you know, when I listen to it, I say like, oh my God, I, I really miss those, you know. But, you know, I realized, and I'm still realizing nowadays, almost every day, that people in general, around the world, when they see a violin, when they see a violinist, or let's say tonight there will be a violin show somewhere around the world, I don't know, and you don't know me, but you want to go and see this violin show. So you would think when you see a violin that, oh, she must be a classical violinist. And maybe I don't like classical music because there are many people who don't like classical music, unfortunately. So it's going to be probably very boring. So I am not going to see this concert. The other person, other type of person would say, that uh, it's a violin show, maybe it's with electric violin. It must be with this modern stuff, which is super loud and uh, disturbing. Yeah. And yeah. I don't like that. I prefer classical music, you know? Yeah, right. So, so and I realized this in the last years many times. Uh, when, when you say to someone that uh, ah, I'm a violinist, and say, oh, wow, are you playing in a symphony? No, I am not. <laughs> so, so, so you know, it's uh, it's it's very tricky. So when I realized that that you know you can play everything on the violin, it's possible. You can play a classical song. You can play film music, musical theater, country music, jazz, uh, traditional music, gypsy music, Jewish music, whatever you like, you can do. So when I realized that, and when I realized that how much I can make people happy with easy songs, like, I don't know, Lara's theme, Dr. Zhivago. Right, I'm just right. telling you, just a little example. Mm-hmm. example because, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how difficult is the song. I can play for you Paganini also, but right. you might not enjoy it as much as you will Lara's theme. Because many mm-hmm. times happened to me that people, I, I always ask from people, what is your favorite song? Can I play your favorite song? And most of the time, around the world, everywhere, people ask for La Rastin, Dr. Zhivago, or Godfather, or My Way, or, of course, Vivaldi, or Strauss, right. Blue Danube, right. your Hungarian dance, or Havana Villa, you right. know, of course, these are the songs. But, you know, when I played Dr. Sivago, Larasti, many times it happened that people told me they cried. 
and yes, uh, yes. they were touched yes. because that was their wedding song i don't know 45 years ago oh okay. so you okay. know so when i see that i can touch people with that that's yeah. incredible and right. if you allow me to tell you another little short thing i would love to share Certainly. it with you absolutely Thank you. So, you know, it happened to me several times that after my show in the ship, on the ship, because in land this doesn't really happen, because if I ever land concert, people are coming because they know me. But on the mm -hmm. ship, many times they don't know me, so they see <laughs> it's a violin show, so they come or they don't, you know, like just like right. I told you. So it happened a few times that after the show, somebody came to me from the audience and they told me, you know, I have to tell you something. I said, sure. I hate violin. I said, wow, okay, <laughs> thank you. I don't really know how to take that, you know. What's the next? What would you like to say with that? But tonight, after your show, I realized that I love it. Wow. So yesterday it happened the same thing yesterday a lady came to me she was i had a show yesterday uh, and the lady came to me after the show and she was like oh my god you are absolutely incredible you know and then she said can i say something i said sure and you know she started to like whispering you know like she didn't want anybody else to hear she said you know violin never was my favorite instrument i really you know it's not my favorite but oh my god what you did tonight it just became my favorite so this is the thing which you know why is that I think there are two reasons. First of all, this is my goal. This is the best compliment I can get from people. When somebody doesn't like violin and they start to like it after my right, concert, right. that's the best compliment you're, I you're can get. You're a teacher. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, what are the two things? People always tell me that I play with heart. And I am very happy for that because I do play with heart. And when people tell me, that means they can feel it. So that's mm -hmm. great. Very good. The second thing is, you know why people say that they start to like violin? Because believe me, I play the right songs in the show. If I would start to play now, I don't know, very heavy classical music for 45 minutes, which might be great, great yes, songs, sir. great composer, everything, but unfortunately not for everyone. So if I would play that, believe me, they wouldn't tell me at the end of the concert that, oh, we started to love violin. They would not, you know. But uh, what happens is you pull them in by promising at least one or two selections of a style that they like. Yeah. And then they learn about the style they thought they hated and <laughs> they end up liking that at the end. Yes, yes, it's true. Yeah, I know you're, you're actually, your recordings are actually streaming on uh, Amazon, at least, and perhaps other services. Yes, on uh, Amazon, but, but, Apple Music, Spotify, uh, Deezer, almost everywhere. But I hope you have plans for another album. There, are, there, there is going to be at least two more new albums. Uh, oh, in the next okay. uh, few months. I am working on the first one already, which is, uh, which I recorded already almost, I would say 70% of the songs are already recorded. 
so my producer is already working in the songs, you know, in the final editing and everything. And I need to record a few more. But I am recording them in uh, in Hungary. My producer in Hungary, he is in Hungary. And he is making all my arrangements. So I like to record a song with him because he, he you know, he is also a very talented uh, person. He is doing all every album for all the celebrities in Hungary. And I like to record that because he gives me always a, I am not sure if I say the right word in English, but uh, like guidelines, like he's guiding me, you know, because many times these are my songs, okay, and I play them, but in the studio it has to be perfect. So when we, when we, when I record it, he always tells me a little bit, okay, it's perfect, but this part should be a little bit like this or like that, you know? So so that's uh, that's really good so this new album is going to be uh, the title is going to be something like around the world because i have been traveling around the world a lot uh, mm-hmm. i have been visiting and i have been playing more than in 990 countries and 150 cities and uh, i have met with a lot of different culture a lot of different people and uh, and i love how music connects everyone it doesn't matter where you come from, what is your age. And I would like to uh, have an album which uh, showcasing, which is showcasing songs from different countries. So there will be an American song, there will be Italian song, there will be Croatian song, Hungarian song, etc. Et so that's the, that's the plan. And yes, it's already like 70% ready. So hopefully, you know, in a few months it's going to be out. And then for next year, I am planning, I still didn't decide yet because I am planning to have an album with all my grandfather's songs. But I'm also planning to have an album with my original songs. Because since since I know, uh, since, since I play, I only play cover songs or my grandfather's songs. But all the cover songs, I play thousands of songs. My repertoire includes thousands of songs, but all of them are cover songs. So now it's a milestone in my career that I would like to have my original songs. And I would like to people sing and know these songs because they are mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the the and songs actually, that you compose? Yes. Oh. And, uh, and actually, we just made the first song few months ago and I recorded in the studio and everything and I am going to do a music video for it actually next week on Wednesday I am recording a music video (laughs) for it well you're on a roll (laughs) oh yes yes and um, and I still didn't uh, post anywhere the the song because I am just waiting for the right time because this is a milestone in my life you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh so I still didn't decide if the next year album is going to my original songs only or maybe my original songs and my grandfather's original songs together. Mm-hmm. I didn't decide about that yet. If it will be separated, then three more albums are coming. If it's going to be together, then two more albums are coming. When did you give your first performance outside of Hungary? When did you start 
performing as a rule on the road for the first time. When I was 18 years old, I uh, went to the music university in Graz, Austria. Mm. And I had an incredible teacher there. Uh, his, her name is uh, Professor Silvia Markovic. She was my uh, violin teacher, which actually, if you ask me, I still cannot believe that she was my teacher because she's a classical soloist. She's a, she's still nowadays a classical soloist. And to be a soloist in the classical world, that's another level because you must be really the top of the top, mm. you know, to be a soloist. And she is a soloist nowadays around the world with a symphonic orchestra behind her. And uh, when I did the audition to the university, to the music university, I was 18 years old, and I didn't want to go to the Austrian university. I did audition there, and I did audition to the Hungarian university, and I wanted to go to the Hungarian one. It's super famous, and it's one of the best teachers she wanted to take me. So, but the reason why I went also to the audition in Austria, because it was two weeks or one week earlier than the Hungarian audition. So it was for me like a rehearsal. You know, I took it. Oh. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I went there, you know, to do the audition. And there I, I was very uh, nervous, super nervous, you know. It's classical songs, you know, very heavy, you know. And uh, the audition there were like, I don't know, five, six teachers. They are sitting right at the table next to each other. And I was playing everything I had to play. And everybody was smiling. They were, when they saw I was nervous, you know, they were smiling that, you know, don't worry, you know. But there was this one lady from the teachers who was looking at me so strict. Beautiful lady, beautiful lady. She was in the 60s, black hair, beauty, really beautiful, skinny. She was looking at me so strict that I was more so scared. I said, oh my God, like she doesn't like me. For sure she doesn't like me. So I did the audition. And then two hours later, I saw, you know, they put all the names out, you know, who they took, you know. And my name was there. And who took me? This lady who was looking at me so strict. So I said, like, oh, my God, like, I was, who is she, you know? And there was a guy next to me, a violinist, and he said, oh, my God, my teacher took you, you know? So do you know her? I said, no, I, I don't know her. So, oh, my God, just check her in Google, you know? So I checked her, and then I realized that, oh, my God, so she's a classical soloist. She's, like, so famous. The only reason I don't know her, because originally she is from Romania. But because of her, uh, uh, well, she's Jewish. So oh. when she was um, 17 years old, 16, 17, I think, 16, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if I can explain it well in English. Because she was Jewish, she had to leave Romania. Mm. And uh, she went to live in France. So she won all the violin, classical violin competition, like in a row when she was 17, like everything. And she never wanted to go back to this area, to Romania and this uh, part, as much as I know, because, because of that. that. That's the story I know. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows her 
you know, around uh, France, Germany, Austria. Right. But in that time, in Hungary, not so many people knew, here, knew her, including me. So anyway, so the story is that that the time she was the she was the I was the one the only one who she took for that age level, you know. So I was shocked. So after that, I didn't even go to the Hungarian University audition because I I didn't I didn't go to do the audition because she was such an incredible teacher and soloist that I said that oh my god like impossible this is such a great opportunity you know so then i started to learn with her and uh, it was not easy i was crying every single lesson every lesson she made me cry and more i cried more angry she was you know it was uh, it was very and that time i didn't speak good english i let's say Mm -hmm. i almost didn't speak and i was learning german so the communication also was very difficult So anyway, that was the that was the time when I started to, you know, I started to, you know, go out from Hungary even more by myself, you know, and I moved there. And and then after that, I started to work on ships and uh, started to travel and started to have a lot of uh, events uh, in Hungary and concerts and things like that. So, you know, everything just started to be more and more and more. I know one of the things you do in your concert because I saw it on a YouTube video <laughs> and then I also saw it on the performance uh, on the cruise ship I was on um, was you have a person in the audience hold up the baton in a uh, fixed position yeah. and then you manipulate the violin to play If I Were a Rich Man. Yes. And... Uh, and so basically, if I'm not mistaken, you are reversing the procedure because instead of holding the violin in one place and then manipulating the baton, the baton is in one place and you are sort of playing the violin backwards to uh, produce that sound. Is that, is that what's going on? Honestly, I never thought of that in this way. But now that you are telling me, actually, you make a lot of sense, you know. <laughs> it's true. You are absolutely right. Thank you for sharing that thought with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I can't figure out how you can uh, use the violin to play on the baton unless you're playing it backwards, you know. To Yeah. And, and that somehow you have to you have to think about that. And, and of course, you've. You've practiced, no doubt. <laughs> so you know, you know how to do that now. You know, I I learned that from my dad, as I as I as I said it, and uh, he showed this to me when I was a kid. And uh, I usually do it with if I were a rich man because people like that, you know, and it's a oh, yes, and an sure, easy song sure. for to clap and to sing, you know. Right. And uh, but but you could do it with any other song. It's possible to do it with any other song. But people love that, you know, every time yes. I, I do it, I just see that, that the people really enjoy, you know. So it's a nice little interactive things, you know, which, uh, which um, I think it's very important. I noticed more and more how big difference it makes when you, when you have a concert. And let's say you saw my concert, you told me. So imagine my concert if I wouldn't say one word. 
if I just say it after the first song, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my show, please enjoy. I am from Hungary, live in Florida, yeah. enjoy my show. <laughs> and then I play the songs, then I play the songs without saying a word and without doing this interactive thing with the guest. And before the last song, I hope you enjoyed. Thank you for coming. Have a good night. Probably you would enjoy some songs, but you wouldn't like it as much as you right. as you liked it otherwise. I, I hope you like it <laughs> because sure. because you know because it makes I think it makes a lot of difference when you when you first of all when I talk to you and when you get to know me and when right. you get oh, to know about absolutely. my life and all true story and you all know that these are true story because you can see on my face when i explained them they explained them the time I, i'm not making them up you know so oh. so it's not part of the choreography you know it's not part of the show it's the true life and then people start to know me and start to have feelings like oh my god and then they get inspirational and then they remember many people right. when they used to play uh, instrument when they were kids you know they remember how much they didn't like to practice because it's common. I don't know many right. kids, you know, I don't know a kid who would tell, oh my God, I love to practice, you know? So, so I think it's very important. And when, when I include a guest from the audience to the show, you know, with the show, in the show, I think it gives uh, something, uh, something more to the people. And I, and, and I love it. I, I, I really, I really love it. You know, and I have to tell you, that more and more, I I feel that I was born, you know, to to be on stage, and I was born to give people music around the world, and uh, and when I say to give music, it, it's not only music, because especially when a singer sings a song, there is a lyrics. So you listen to the lyrics. You, in, you imagine yourself into the song. But when a musician plays a song, it's different because there is no lyrics. So it can mean for you a completely different uh, feeling. It can give you a completely different thought than to another person. So when I play, when I was, I think when I was 14 years old and I had a little concert in Budapest, there was a lady who came to me. I will never forget that. And she told me that, you know, in, Hung in Hungarian, the name, my name is, they shorten my name sometimes. And they don't say Bernadette, they say Bernie or Bernie. Oh, so, okay. Makes so sense. Just, in, just, just in Hungary, you know. And, uh, and this lady came to me and she told me, you know, Bernie, I have to tell you something. You make difference in people's life with your music and then you bring them out from the grey days mm -hmm. with your music and I remember that and since then of course more concerts I did I always get this back from people and I see how much music can affect people how much mm -hmm. can make people cry how right. much uh, I can bring back uh, a memory from the past mm -hmm. and good memory a bad memory anything and music can heal you know so so actually you know more and more i realize that that's why 
I was born to do that. Not only to play music, to help people with music, to give them an unforgettable uh, moment or time in their life. And when uh, when I was not able to perform, you know, during COVID, that was, uh, I must tell you, it was the worst time of my life. And in the beginning, I didn't know why, because because I was performing a lot right before COVID, and then suddenly nothing, and it never happened in my life. Like basically, it never it never happened. So, in the first month, I was happy that I can relax a little bit, you know. In the second month, I still was okay. In the third month, I I honestly started to feel sick. And mm-hmm. and I didn't know in the beginning, I didn't know what is wrong with me because I said, okay, I never was like that before. Like I, I had very strange feelings. And I said, I, I was talking to friends, to people, to, I even called a psychologist, you know, because I said, mm-hmm. I don't know, am I going crazy? Like, like mm-hmm. something is completely <laughs> wrong with me, you know, like I was scared. I had feelings which I have never had before. And then somebody just made a point and and somebody helped me to realize but wait a second you perform for your life in your whole life several times per week and when you give music to people it's not only you give people also give you back something because i receive a lot from people during uh, i play on stage you know the energy the feeling it's a lot and then after the concert all the compliments and all the honest compliments when people cry sometimes you know and then i'm I'm suddenly they take this away from you and you cannot perform and you cannot do what is your life i want you to admit something i want you to admit something Standing ovations are the rule for you, right? (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that because I don't know if I ever can explain to someone who who is not on stage Mm -hmm. or who is not a performer what it means. Right. It's no. Actually, I I I was. I was telling this to my, if you want me to be honest and if you want me to admit it, you know, I will tell you, I was telling this to my husband uh, yesterday after my show, two days ago, because two days ago I had the big show in the theater and then yesterday I had a small one, you know, in this nice little theater, let's put it this way. Uh, I was telling him, I told him, I said, Hey man, because sometimes you know, since I since I live in the U.S., you know, he's he's teaching me all these American sayings, you know, and sometimes oh, we good. joke. So sometimes instead I tell him, "Hey, my love," you know, or "My darling," I tell him, "Hey man, you know, I need to tell you something." So I told him, I said, "You know what? I had the show." I said, "How was it?" Yeah, I said, "Standing ovation," <laughs> and I said. I said, you know what, you know how beautiful view, view is really, that's the best thing to say, you know, when you are on stage and you finish the song and you play the last note of the song, it's the last note, and the la- I wish I could explain it in Hungarian, I could tell you much nicer, right, I'm sorry, right. my English is not the best, so I finish yeah. the last note, and once the last note, you know, it's end. People start to uh, clap, of course, 
and then they start to stand up together. But I see this from stage. So it's a different angle, you know, because I see many other concerts when I am in the audience and there is standing ovation, but it's a different angle to see it from there. But when you are on stage and you see that all together after the first note, people are start to standing up without thinking, it's not like one person stand up, like everybody, like they are connected, the people are connected and they stand up and they are smiling at you. And then the music is still going and they are clapping. Incredible. And I must tell you something. Last week, when you were uh, on the ship, did you see the second little concert also in in the little lounge? Yeah, in the Eden, yes. So there was a standing ovation too. And you saw, and uh, yes. and then when and then when the show end and everything, and I went to pack my violin, production manager of Eden came to me and she said to me, hey, I think that was the first time we saw sending ovation in Eden ever." Wow! Wow! I said, "Wow!" I said, "You mean in this cruise?" She said, "No, no." <laughs> I said. I said, wow, because she said this was an actual standing ovation and not the kind of standing ovation when they stand up and they are walking out because they are <laughs> walking out because they stand because, Right, yeah, there, there would be a difference. They walk out. <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> so she said, I said, wow. And then guess what happened the next day because she told me that right after the concert on Wednesday. So next day on, on Thursday, a celebrity contacted my agent and they want me to come back to this ship again, you know, for two more concerts uh, oh, next okay. month in November. So so basically, because you stood up, <laughs> celebrity is very happy, you know. Of course, so, of course. No, this is an incredible feeling. And, uh, and, you know, I always think I believe in God. And I don't want to bring this conversation to any religious uh, way now, so don't get me wrong. But I, I believe in God, and uh, and I, I many times I think about you know philosophy and things like that, you know. And I always think, what was the reason? Why 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 was I born? What is mm-hmm. the reason? What I have to do in my life? And some people was born to be a mother. Some people mm-hmm. was born to be a teacher. I don't know. But I think I was definitely born to to play music and mm-hmm. to and to give people around the world a feeling which uh, which is special. And it makes me so happy that I I don't think there is anything else. Which makes me right. happy as as this as as much as it makes me happy, that much it made me sick last year when I was not able to do it. So right. this is my right. life. It is so special when someone has a talent and they can find it early enough in their life to dedicate their life to it and not find out later in life when it's when it's very sad. You know, this was a very exciting conversation. And it was very uplifting, much like your concerts. <laughs> and I think that you bring that Thank spirit you. into the concert hall and you take it everywhere you go. Thank you so much. I try. And, uh, you know, I, I, 
I always get emotional, you know, because um, when I had the concert last week, you know, on Celebrity, that was my first extra concert, you know, on the ship after mm-hmm. COVID, after right, 16 right. months. And uh, or 20 months, after 20 months on the ship, yes. And uh, I just cannot explain what it, what it meant. And right before the last song, before I said, uh, you know, thank you for coming and how much it means to me. Right. I I lost my voice for a second and I and mm. I felt I'm going to cry and I saw my god I cannot cry you know and now I feel the same it just means too much it means too much and thank right. you and I would like to thank for everyone who ever uh, watched me in live or on YouTube or on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere because uh, and, and who like my music because uh, it means so much and if i if i wouldn't receive this energy from you from the people around the world then oh. i think it's it's a it's a it's a connection like i might do right. music but if i don't receive this back from you then it wouldn't be the same so thank you thank you so much for everyone who likes my music Some final thoughts on our marvelous guest today. You know, in Europe, it is not uncommon for concerts to be held where people from all over the city gather to hear music that perhaps they haven't heard before, and they understand and appreciate the cultural opportunities that that provides. Here in this country, people tend to gravitate to that which they know. They don't really go outside of their comfort zones. It was so different in the United States in the 19th century with the Chautauqua movements and citizens attending debates by politicians that would go on for hours. The citizens stretched themselves in those days. We've lost something in the culture, but by hearing people like Bernadette, it's hardly a sacrifice for us to become educated in that which is so entertaining. And so I want to thank Bernadette for appearing on the show, and we will follow her career on Audibly Speaking and hope that other Americans do so as well. That's it for today's episode of AudiblySpeaking.com. New podcast episodes appear on AudiblySpeaking.com approximately once every two weeks. Please subscribe to Audibly Speaking on iTunes or whatever podcast aggregator you enjoy. Until next time, this is Rick Ryman. Happy listening.